This is the Insulon podcast, where I, Owen Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... But the number one benefit for me and you, if you're living with type 1 diabetes, is it's going to increase your insulin sensitivity. That basically means that you need less insulin for the food that you're eating. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulon podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. And we are recording. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining Graham also. We appreciate you listening. I always actually, I always finish the podcast by thanking everybody for listening, but I'm going to start with thanking you all. So anybody listening right now, really appreciate you listening, and I hope you're getting a lot of great value from it. So enjoy this episode. Again, me and Graham are going to attempt to redefine what diabetes is. Graham, what's the story? I'm good. I don't know if you saw my Instagram in the last uh, 24 hours-ish. I no, don't you don't have why. to. No, it's better, it's better that you didn't because I didn't want okay, to. I don't think I did. Why? <laughs> I want to see. Do you remember this? Because this is like it blew my mind yesterday that this okay. isn't the first time we've worked together. And I had to double check this. I didn't want to tag you on Instagram just in case. So I was going through my hard drive yesterday, doing a little bit of a cleanup on my computer. And I found some old college projects that I was doing. Now, did I come to you in college and ask you? To do some oh graphics designs for me because I did film and broadcasting in college and I only basically did it to get into radio and audio production. But one or a few other arms of our course, we had to do like motion graphics and I hadn't a clue what to do or how to do it. And did I get on to you? Because I was like, where did I get those graphics from? They all look kind of have a similar theme throughout my project of the 90 seconds. Where did I get them from? And then it dawned on me because you were doing graphic design in college, I got you to do all the graphics for me. Did it have, was it something got to do with the Beatles or, so, and space or something? I called it Decades and this is how shite it was. So <laughs> I started with in the 60s. It's kind of, If you're Irish, you'll know reeling in the years. It's like they take certain years and they do like big stories that were in the news and underneath they play songs that were famous in that year. What I did was I took big stories from the decades and kind of put the songs that were famous in the decades as well. So, for instance, the man landing on the moon in the 60s was incorporated with the Beatles playing a song, but the Beatles were dressed up as a- astronauts and I had them floating around the screen like they're in space. <laughs> then there was the uh, the Vietnam War, which was very, very weird. I do something for that one too. You had a Vietnamese soldier and a guy holding a guitar who got dropped from a helicopter, which you drew. I had the guy, them having a shoot off and then him getting picked up by a helicopter. Then oh, I don't the, remember that one. Then in the 70s, <laughs> I think it was MTV uh, began. In the 90s, it was the tech boom. In the noughties, this was the weird, weirdest one of all of them. The, the fall of the Saddam Hussein regime. Did you do that in the project? I did that in the project with Eminem, Lose Yourself, playing in the background. <laughs> oh, I, like, I don't remember that at all. It was... I only... I, 
I only vaguely, vaguely I remember like, the. I, think I just messaged you saying, "Can you draw me these things?" And you didn't really know what it was for. And you're like, "Yeah, that's fine, no problem at all." Uh, but afterwards, check out my Instagram because uh, it's it's so badly done. I can only think of what the lecturer was thinking when they sat down to go. This guy is in his twenties. This is his final year project, and he hasn't got a clue. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad my name wasn't on that one. <laughs> anyway, Graham, I didn't bring it up with you last week. Yeah, but now that you have mentioned your experience or your career in radio and broadcasting for anyone who's listening graham recently released his own podcast series called the split season so graham being the most modest person i've I've ever spoken to (laughs) doesn't speak about himself in any way or his achievements so graham please continue well, myself and one of my other friends. See, what I do is I surround myself with talented friends and then I see, can I uh, work with them? That's what I try to do. And be the talent. So I've got another guy called Sean Reedy and we decided to do a documentary on this year's Gaelic football championships and hurling championships as well, which is, if you're from outside of Ireland, which is our national sport here. And just, we tracked five players over Zoom calls for three months and how they got on while training and trying to win an All-Ireland Championship during a pandemic. And it was just basically all about their life and their struggles and how they were allowed to continue while the rest of the country was in lockdown. And we were lucky enough to get to number one in the sports podcast chart. So if you do have an interest in that, uh, you can check out the split season. But enough about me now. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, honestly, if, if anybody is interested in sports, or the GAA particularly. Well, even if you're not interested, definitely give it a listen because it's a class edit. It's, I had never really listened to a podcast series where it kind of like tells a story throughout. And that was the first one I'd listened to. I'm not saying it was good because you're my friend. It was genuinely really good. So can't recommend it enough. And as Graham said, it got to the top of the list in top, Ireland, I believe. up the top. Anyway, <laughs> less about me, more <laughs> about you and diabetes. Uh, we're very excited to do this week and the next two weeks. We're going to do a, a bit of a three-week sweep on this because it is January. It is the start of the year. Yes, we are in lockdown in Ireland, lockdown in the UK. I, wherever you're listening, maybe we know a few listeners in Australia, you seem to be getting out of it. And I'm watching people on Instagram story having a good time. But you can listen back to this when the gym's open if you are, if you do want to go to the gym. But this week's episode focuses on cardio, which you don't need a gym for. You can go outside and get into the beautiful open air. And next week, we're going to do high intensity and the week after resistance training. But let's concentrate on cardio and type 1 diabetes. Owen, talk to me. What, yeah, so what, what, I, is, what is cardio? So cardio is cardiovascular exercise, basically. So it's generally defined, well, it is defined as any type of exercise that kind of gets your heart rate up and keeps it up for a prolonged period of time. So it is primarily your respiratory system that is helping you out (laughs) throughout that exercise, essentially. Now, I'm sure words that people have heard of aerobic and anaerobic. So it's basically aerobic which is cardio like running swimming jogging whatever it is and then anaerobic which is resistance training like weightlifting now a good way that i like to remember that is aerobic is like (laughs) i need more air while i'm running so that's a, a a good way to remember it but 
look, cardio is, as I said, running, jogging, swimming, jumping up and down, all those kind of playing all sports those kind of as well. I presume that's yeah, exactly. Sports, hurling, GAA, football, yeah. like we said, and like everything else in your life, if you're living with type one diabetes, exercising and particularly cardio can be difficult to manage and can be complicated to prepare for. But Graham, actually, I want to ask you now from all the knowledge you've gained over the past year with the podcast and all of our, all of Uh-oh. our chats, <laughs> tell me if you, <laughs> tell me a few things, <laughs> tell me a few things that you think a diabetic would need to consider in advance or prepare for if they were going out for a run just to see what you see what you've learned oh well the number one thing you have to have is some sort of glucose tablet in case you go low go on <laughs> oh there's more you need your insulin pen Oh, that's so vague, but I'll, I'll let you away with it. Of course you need your is this, pen. Is this in preparation or is this while out there? Look, I'm disappointed. I thought you would have known more, Graham, to be honest. So maybe I should just continue. I, I think, think so. I think that is what we all <laughs> came here for. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, look, you definitely need glucose tablets. You need, glucose tablets to, you need your, your phone to check Instagram. Yeah. You need shoes. Anyway, so... Much like I touched on before, when you eat food, I, I, I always kind of look at managing diabetes in weird sort of equations. So it's like when you eat food, you know the answer to that later on is steady blood sugar. But the equation that you need to, I suppose, calculate in your own head is the insulin you need for that specific meal, the proteins, carbs, fats, timing amount all these kind of things so much like that with exercise and cardio the goal is to exercise without diabetes getting in your way but the complications around that are discovering or working out that equation to make sure your blood stays steady does that make sense yep so that could be insulin on board carbs time of day duration intensity of exercise all these different things but i'll touch on them again that's what but, i meant to say <laughs> yeah i knew it. i knew you did you just you just forgot <laughs> um but look m- much like much like everything else in relation to diabetes with your life it's all about trial and error and i know we did a specific episode on my three a's of diabetes management which are awareness anticipation and action if you haven't listened back to that i think it's episode 15 if i remember correctly Find a bit. but basically my three a's of diabetes management are awareness anticipation and action 20 20 okay listen back to that so these three a's and the function of the three words working together can be implemented in any aspect of your life with diabetes that could be food exercise sleep stress all these sorts of things so if you haven't listened to that episode i go into that in more detail and it's definitely a good, a good one to listen to so why is cardio important cardio is obviously important for anybody because it's exercise and exercise improves your mood relieves stress releases endorphins which are happy hormones like dopamine serotonin it helps you sleep better 
helps you concentrate better and helps suppress cravings at the same time. Now, there are great benefits for anybody on the planet, but it's even more important and more beneficial for somebody living with type 1 diabetes. Of course, you get all those benefits, but the number one benefit for me and you, if you're living with type 1 diabetes, is it's going to increase your insulin sensitivity. Now, what is insulin sensitivity? That basically means that you need less insulin for the food that you're eating. So a good rule of thumb living with diabetes is the more exercise I do, the less insulin I require. The less exercise I do, the more insulin I require, generally speaking. So when you say that it increases insulin sensitivity, is that exercise over a prolonged period of time? It's not just referring to oh, I know I have dinner tonight at six o'clock. Oh, it's going to be a big one. I'll just go for a run now. And I don't really do that much otherwise. Is it like that? Or has to, does it have to be exercise over a long period of time? It can completely depend, but it can also be as rapid as doing a 15-minute workout can result in you needing less insulin for that day. And I know you're training for a marathon as well. We've touched on it in other episodes has your insulin sensitivity changed since you started training for the marathon? Because it's, you're Definitely. doing completely different exercises. Yeah, well, look, I have always been very sensitive to insulin. My insulin requirements are quite low because I consistently train. And it's not that you can train once a week and then the rest of the week you're going to be fine and your insulin requirements are going to drop. It's all about consistency and it doesn't have to be like I've said a million times before, it doesn't have to be you pumping the gym six days a week. It could just be a 15, 20-minute walk every day just to keep you ticking over. But specifically talking about the marathon, yeah, absolutely. Because I'm running more consistently now, that's affected my insulin requirements massively throughout the day and over the week because I'm running three or four times a week like minimum two miles, generally five, six, seven miles, as I'm just kind of trying trying to build myself up. But I'm also still doing all my resistance training. So pre-lockdown and just before the gym, all the gyms were closed, my routine was, it just worked really well. And I knew what to expect from my blood sugar throughout the day because I would get up, I'd go to the first slot of the gym that morning, I'd do an hour, 15 minutes of resistance training. And then after that, I go for a run. So when you resistance train, more often than not, you're going to have a different blood sugar reaction, right? So when you train with, with heavy weights and those kind of things, it prompts a different bodily response in your body. So instead of just running and seeing your blood sugar generally drop down when you resistance train, it kind of promotes the release of stress hormones like adrenaline cortisol and they kind of kick your liver and your, and your and your muscles to release glucose into your system as energy slightly getting off topic but basically when i was going to the gym i would see that slight spike in my blood sugar because of resistance training but then after because i knew i was going for a run my run would bring my blood sugar back down and you needed no insulin in between those I, you were just working off the exercise I was just working out. Yeah, I was just working okay. off the exercise. Now, of course, later in the day when I'm yeah. eating food and yeah. 
just going about my regular routine. <laughs> I'm going to need insulin. But you can't, you but, contracted the high with a run to bring it down. Yeah, yeah, of course. And that's such a big part of living with type one. It's like, don't, don't just react to what's happening with your blood sugar. Just obviously, if you see a spike, try and understand why has that spiked and don't think, oh Christ, my blood sugar spike. I need insulin. I need insulin. Think, right, my blood sugar has spiked potentially because of resistance training. Therefore, if I know I'm going for a run, I'm not going to take insulin because that run is probably going to bring my blood sugar back down. So how do you then prepare for cardio? What's your routine? So again, this can completely depend on each person. My diabetes is going to be completely different to somebody listening or somebody five minutes down the road from me. So it's important, again, trial and error, trial and error, trial and error understand and spot patterns and see what works for you and what doesn't but for me personally and something that well a list of things that everybody should always consider when they're going out for a run or doing any sort of cardio really are meal timing insulin timing the content of your pre-exercise meal the amount of fast acting insulin on board the duration of the exercise you're doing and the intensity of the exercise that you're doing. So now that sounds like, whoa, there's way too much. (laughs) There's way too many things to consider. But obviously, if you live with it, these are kind of like things that will go through your head subconsciously. But if you're aware of them, you can plan ahead, which is massively important. So for me, if I'm going out for a run, I will always try and have no insulin on board or little to none. Right now, insulin on board basically means that that's my fast acting insulin, which will generally be in my system for three to four hours. Now, it's called fast acting insulin or rapid acting insulin, but it's it's not really as rapid as you might think it is. So if I take insulin at 12 p.m. the day, that's still going to be in my system and it's still going to influence my blood sugar three to four hours after that. What's the reason for you? not wanting to have insulin on board. When I'm running, my body is using up the glucose in my system as energy. Now, if I have additional insulin on board, it's almost like there's not going to really be as much glucose in my system for the insulin to counteract. So therefore, I'm a lot more inclined to drop down while I'm running. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. So a good way to manipulate that is, and I suppose that's, what has been so beneficial for me to run in the morning is because I know I see that spike from resistance training from the gym. And then when I go for a run, it's going to come back down naturally, but I don't have any insulin on board because I train in the morning. So I haven't eaten anything yet either, but actually only last night I went out for, I didn't go for a run in the morning, went out for a run after dinner. Right? So because I knew I was going out for a run after dinner, I adjusted the insulin that I needed for that meal. So to give you an example, okay. what, did I, what did I eat last night? I don't know. I actually don't remember what I had. But right, let's say that I had a bowl of, a bowl of pasta, which was 50 grams carbohydrate, and I would generally take five units. Let's just use that as the example. If I generally take five units of insulin for that bowl of pasta... That's my insulin to carb ratio. That's what I have calculated for myself. But if I know that I'm going for a run after the meal, if my blood sugar is steady as a result of those five units, 
inevitably my blood sugar is going to drop from the run. So what I did was I reduced the insulin I took for that meal so that my blood sugar would rise slightly higher than I would usually like before my run so that when so during my yeah, run yeah, yeah. it comes back down in range yeah, without going into a hypoglycemic state so what you need to consider before a run is massively important it's not just about oh god i have to go out and do a two mile run a three mile run and you're kind of dreading the run it's it's important that you plan ahead to adjust your insulin eat more carbohydrate that you need than you need be aware of the insulin you have on board so that you know I'm not going to be dropping halfway through this run and therefore that's going to be your excuse to stop running. All right? It's an easy so, out. So, oh, yeah, well, yeah. I'm feeling great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Turn around. Oh, my blood sugar's dropped. I have to yeah. stop. Look, I've done that a couple of times, but sometimes I just have to say, oh, look, just, just take your glucose tablets and keep yeah. running. So yeah, look, th- the big things are insulin on board, the amount of carbohydrate you have pre-run or exercise, whatever it may be, and the timing and duration of your run. Yeah. So insulin, your timing, and your food. There, yeah, yeah, they're the they're the three most important. And obviously, this year you got a CGM. Has this been a game changer when going out for the runs? Ah, oh, big time. <laughs> I can't describe the difference that it's made. So. A CGM is a continuous glucose monitor. I'm using the Dexcom on my stomach or my arm. It's my stomach right now. I had to like feel around <laughs> to see where it was. <laughs> so it's on my stomach and obviously connected to my phone and my watch. So massively grateful to have that. But it gives you such an advantage when you're exercising and just generally throughout the day. So because I have a CGM, I can see my blood sugar while I'm running. So let's say my bloods are stable when I'm running. And they start to drop back down. I might even get a little vibration on my wrist to say, well, your blood sugars are starting to come down. Treat it before you go into a hypoglycemic state, which is a low blood sugar. But (laughs) because or because, yeah, so I got it this year. Yeah, so I was living with diabetes eight, nine years before my CGM just finger pricking, like so many people are. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this who still are finger pricking. But when I was diagnosed, I was obviously only on the finger pricks and I wanted to get back into playing football. So I didn't have that advantage of being able to see my blood sugar almost as a live reading on my phone. So I was just pricking my finger. But the issue with finger pricking around exercise and why people can sometimes be, I suppose, more concerned around the time they're exercising is when you check your blood sugar with a finger prick, it's just that spot that split moment in time. So let's say my bloods were, I don't know, in range, and then they were plummeting. But I checked my blood sugar halfway through where they were in range and then hitting the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get my blood sugar reading that says, whatever, in range, great, fantastic. (laughs) I'm delighted. You're coming through the range. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But I might be unaware of the fact that my blood sugar is actually dropping. Whereas with a CGM, I can see that physical drop, like the little dots or whatever it is. So for somebody who is finger pricking and from my own experience of finger pricking, what I always did was pre 
during and after exercise, I would always check my blood sugar twice. So say, I'll give you an example. When I used to play football before a match or before training, I would check my blood sugar, say, I don't know, 20 minutes before the game. And that might say whatever in range. It doesn't say that, but that's, that's the number that it showed. I was in range. And then I would also check my blood sugar 10 minutes after that. Because if my blood sugar is high 10 minutes after or going lower 10 minutes after, I have a better indication of whether or not things are going to be higher or lower or steady. Mm-hmm. So rather than just that one finger prick and be like, oh, yeah, I'm in range. It's great that you're in range for that second, but you don't know if it's coming up or coming down. Yeah. So I would absolutely recommend somebody to finger prick before, during, after at least twice. So six times at least when you're exercising. Because again, when you're exercising, it's harder to identify whether or not you are going high or low. Because if I'm out for a run, like my heart's thumping. I'm like (laughs) nearly dying after about 100 feet. And I'm sweating and I might be even slightly dizzy. And these can all be signs or symptoms of high blood sugar or low blood sugar. Because you're exercising, it's harder to realize inside your body whether or not you're going high or low. Well, in that case, and I know you're of the mindset of you'll never let your diabetes get in the way, but can cardio be dangerous for a diabetic? Not, it can't, well... If not yes and no. after, maybe. Yes and no, right? Yeah, Potentially, them, yeah. yes. Of course, it can be da- anything can be dangerous for a diabetic if it's not planned for correctly. So if I was to just eat my dinner, pump loads of insulin into me, and then go off for a five-mile run, yeah, of course, that could be very dangerous because my, my, like, I could be using up that glucose in my body, could have way too much insulin on board, and I could just plummet without even realizing. Now... If I take a step back, plan in advance and anticipate what's going to happen over the next hour or two, that gives me the opportunity to make any adjustments I need, plan safely in advance. So, and I I think it can be really nerve wracking for somebody trying to exercise with diabetes because look, this is something that you're living with 24 hours a day and then like you, you might be worried about it enough as it is. And then the thought of some additional danger or stress as a result of exercising might just make you be like, ah, well, ah, here, I'm not going to do that. It's, it's not worth the risk. And I don't fully understand how I would need to plan ahead for these sort of things. So potentially, yes, to answer your question, it could be dangerous. But no, it's, it shouldn't be dangerous based on how you plan ahead. Does that make sense? Yeah. So <laughs> to, give you, to give you another example, I know we did an episode on hypo-anxiety and I, think, I actually think that was episode 15. So hypo-anxiety is that constant fear of your blood sugar dropping. Anywhere, anytime, with any, any sort of company, your blood sugar doesn't care. If it's dropping, it's dropping. Right, could be a job interview, first date, a dinner party, or a run, whatever it is. Your diabetes doesn't care, and that's why people can have that anxiety around the blood sugar dropping. So that 
added thought and stress of, oh, jeez, my blood sugar is going to plummet when I exercise or when I go for this run or go to the gym or whatever it is, that may make you less inclined to go to the gym or exercise or do what you need to do. Now, exercise, in my opinion, is a non-negotiable while you live with diabetes. It should be a non-negotiable for anybody anyway, but if you live with type 1 diabetes or any form of diabetes, it is absolutely, in my opinion, essential that you exercise. So much like we spoke about before, it's that diabetic triangle of medication, nutrition, exercise. If you don't have the three of them managed in harmony, let's call it, then you're not going to get the best out of your diabetes and it's going to it's going to be holding you back. So yes, it might be slightly daunting for you to kind of get into a new exercise routine and you may even see more low blood sugars as a result because you're slightly out of your typical routine. You might be eating different foods. You're obviously moving more, but don't let that kind of hypo anxiety or that fear prevent you from exercising because exercising as a whole is going to have a massively, massively beneficial impact on your blood sugar. And your head. And your head. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. If your head's feeling a bit foggy, guarantee if you go for a five mile run you're gonna feel a lot clearer after that even me non-diabetic but the odd time i train regularly the odd day i'll be like oh don't want to do it and i've never regretted doing one going in when i feel a bit shit or a bit tired after work never regretted it and if it then would help me with my diabetes as well then it's a no-brainer absolutely for somebody who isn't diabetic and i know you said you're not graham but not yet. Still, I really Not hope yet. you get type one. Not yet. <laughs> 2021 is the year. I've said, 20, I've said it on so many episodes. Type one. Huh? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make a really bad <laughs> pun there. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't hear that. <laughs> um, so look, basically the point I'm trying to make is exercise cardio is super important. And if you are somebody who feels that, look, I haven't necessarily been in a regular exercise routine or I haven't really train throughout my life and i'm kind of nervous or afraid to exercise with type one completely understandable that's a normal feeling to have but don't let the fear of that stop you from doing it because once you find that balance of food exercise time and duration essentially you're going to notice a massive impact on your blood sugar in a in a good way you're going to require less insulin you're probably going to you're probably going to crave less crappy foods that have a bad impact on your blood sugar. So it's kind of like that full circle of going out for a run, feeling good in the head, feeling better about your diabetes, not eating as much crap. So look, it's never going to be a bad thing. But the standout way to prepare is to look at your carb intake, the intensity and your insulin on board. That's the big one. I love to hear from people who maybe got a bit inspired by this week's podcast maybe you were listening and said you know what i'm gonna go for a run 
or I'm going to do some sort of exercise, do let us know um, on the Insulone Podcast at gmail.com. Or if you've just taken up a little bit of cardio or you've been doing it for ages, let us know as well. And maybe you have your own kind of tips and tricks as well, as well as Owen's, as well, to kind of we'll share on the podcast. Because as I said, over the next couple of weeks, we are going to be concentrating on health and fitness. Uh, and especially next week, it's going to be high intensity training and the week after resistance training. I feel like you were uh, trying to finish this podcast up early, are you? I wasn't quite finished. Oh, you got more stuff? Well, no, you've kind of done the outro now. <laughs> it wasn't the outro. I'm just wrapping that, uh, <laughs> yeah. that small segment. But of course, no, if no. you've got more to say, then go first. This is your podcast, know, your no. name over the door. <laughs> no, look, basically just everything we said. And I think a big part of exercise too is that sense of achievement after it. Mm. And it's like, if you go out for a run, like you said, Graham, you've never regretted exercising. You always feel better in your body, in your mind, in your diabetes after it too. You might go lower than you, than you would expect or that you would want to. But look, just treat that and go again. Learn from that low. Learn from why did I go low? Did I take too much insulin? Did I not eat enough food? Did I exercise for too long? There's always something you can learn from, let's call it a bad diabetic experience of your blood sugar going low or being high. And it's that sense of achievement of A, exercising, going for a run or going to the gym. But also there can be a strange sense of achievement. And it's like a a little daily reward of if you do something and manage your diabetes well around it, it feels great. Like if I go out for a run and my blood sugar stays stable, I feel class because I went out for a run, but I also feel amazing because, wow, I worked out everything correctly. I did, I did what I needed to do to ensure that my blood sugar would stay stable. So instead of, and I know we kind of talk about mindset things a good bit on this podcast, but instead of getting frustrated and pissed off and discouraged by a high here, a low here, more lows here, more highs here. Flip that around and say, look, instead of me getting annoyed by these little daily occurrences, learn to treat them and then look at them as little achievements. So if yesterday you went out for a run and your blood sugar dropped, then you had to stop your run. Learn something from that. Learn and ask yourself questions, as I just said, of why did that happen? So tomorrow, you know more about how to run than you did yesterday. So tomorrow, you're more prepared to exercise with your diabetes than you were yesterday. So if you do go out for a run and you change your carb intake or you reduce your insulin and your blood stays stable, it's going to be like, whoa, yeah, unreal. I made that change, which resulted in my blood sugar staying stable. So therefore... I went out for a run and I feel great. And I also achieved stable blood sugars throughout the run. So it's flipping that idea around of oh, like the daily struggles of diabetes. Look, I completely understand that and I completely appreciate it because I live with it too. But if you just change your thought around it of it's the little things that I can achieve each day with my stable blood sugars every now and then rather than, Oh, 
my blood sugar has gone high again. My blood sugar has gone low again. Learn something each time that happens because I think it was Amber that we had on the podcast before said, we're a living science experiment that just doesn't end. So treat it that way. Constantly analyze what's going on. Understand your body. Understand how your body reacts and make changes that are necessary. I think that's a good point to end. Absolutely. I think there. Very good. The Insulone Podcast (laughs) at gmail.com for anything at all that you want to ask or share with Owen and I. Absolutely. Thank you, Graham. Actually, I haven't told you yet, Graham, but I'm going to tell the listeners too. (gasps) On Wednesday, which is today. 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 today, I'm I'm getting Invisalign. Oh, for you. Yeah. So for next week, my podcast might sound a bit like this. You've got straight teeth. Yeah, but it's that it, one of the front ones is kind of ah, moving back. Okay. So I'm, get, yeah. so I'm getting so that on when. How does invis- Actually, save it till next week because I want to hear after <laughs> yeah. how it works. It'll sound like a completely different person. <laughs> You're like doing it with a teenager. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Chat soon. <laughs>